Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you receive a blessing from this program. Please join us in person this Sunday for Bible study at 930 or our worship service at 1035. We promise that you will receive a warm welcome. For more information or to watch our services live, please visit our website, gpindy.net. Let's join our service already in progress. seated. I'm going to turn it over to Dow now and he's going to introduce our graduates to you today. Well this is an exciting Sunday and uh, we look forward to this every year. We've got a pretty large group that we're going to get through today and one of the things that's just been going through my mind the last several weeks and I feel like sometimes God takes a verse and you can probably relate to this and he just won't let you forget it and it has been for me the very last verse of the book of Daniel, when after everything Daniel had been through, after every vision that he had had, right, and everything that he had written, God says, go your way until the end. Basically, God says, keep going, don't stop. And that is kind of the theme today. As we bring each and every one of them across the stage, this is for them to keep going. Keep going for Jesus. Keep going until the end. And so that's going to be our prayer when we pray for a minute, or pray here in a minute. But what we're going to do today is we're going to introduce our high school first, and then our college graduates. So without further ado, we're just going to get right into it. And the first one that we have today is Elena Boyer. She, she graduated from Liberty University Online Academy, and she is wanting to be a real estate agent. The next one that we have is Lexi Glover. She graduated from Center Grove High School, and she will be attending Miami University in the fall to study occupational therapy. They're not going to get any shorter. So <laughs> the next one is Audrey Bias, and she graduated from homeschool, and she will attend Vincennes University this fall to play volleyball. And she plans to study kinesiology and sports management. Next, we have Reba Lutz. Reba graduated from Whiteland High School, and she will be attending IUPUI to study occupational therapy. A sense of trend, right? One of ours that couldn't make it here, at least I haven't seen them yet today, is Garrett Snyder. And he graduated from Faith Community Christian School. He has his ASE certification, and he will continue in the automotive field. <laughs> Next, we have a couple of brothers, and Alex Morgan. He graduated from Whiteland High School, and he will be taking a gap year before becoming a lineman. And his brother, Marcos Kraus, he graduated from Whiteland High School, and he is currently in a cybersecurity apprenticeship. Yeah. 
Next, we have Kinsey Miller. She graduated from Center Grove High School, and she will be attending Ball State to study exercise science. Another one of ours who couldn't make it this morning is Abby Austin. She graduated from Mount Vernon High School. She's currently undecided, but she is looking at either Ivy Tech or looking at Ivy Tech for a potential vet program, which would be awesome. Now we'll do you. Right. Next, we have Liv Holtzclaw. She graduated from C9, and she will be taking a gap year to travel the U.S. I was told on Wednesday that she's going to float on a river and look for a spouse, so hey, whatever. <laughs> so now we're going to go into our, our college graduates, and a couple of them are not down front, but they have made huge um, huge important decisions this past year and are going to be great in the next area in their lives. So we'll make sure we recognize them. One is Tommy Nichols. He's probably in the sound booth up there, but where is he? Where is he? Tommy? Oh, there he is. He graduated from IU, P-U-P-U-I. We want to forget about the Purdue part in that, but anyway, he graduated from IUPUI with a Master's of Business Administration, and it is an IU degree. So, <laughs> next, next we have somebody who has uh, graced this stage a couple times before because she is good at education. This is Emma Fenske, and she graduated from Baylor with her Master's degree in history, and she will now be working on her PhD in history at Baylor's. One of our people that's is not here today who has graduated is actually celebrating their anniversary and should be watching online. But Jennifer Adams graduated from Indiana Wesleyan with her master's degree in healthcare administration. And she's now a clinical manager in the ICU at Eskenazi Health. And then last, but certainly not least, just ask Steve, Mac Porter. She <laughs> should have known. She graduated from Paul Mitchell Beauty School, and she starts working at Transformations this week and has asked me to be her first client, so that's great. <laughs> this is our class of 2022. TV in case you missed it. <laughs> All right, I'm going to have prayer so we can move on with the service, but we are so proud of each and every one of you, and we look forward to what God is going to do in your lives. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this class. Lord, this is the first class that's come through that really half of their education was stripped away by COVID, and Lord, they kept going. Lord, I know they've been through so much, Lord, and we're just thankful that they kept going all the way until the end. And I just pray right now that each and every one of them, wherever life takes them from here on out, Lord, that they would keep going for you. Lord, that they would be the future of the church, and that future is really right now. And, Lord, that they would never turn back away from you, Lord, but that they would just keep going forward for you. And, Lord, we're so proud of them, and, Lord, we just pray that you would just do wonderful things in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
praise were heard throughout Jerusalem as Jesus humbly passed through Zion's gates but then the gloom of Calvary's sorrows dashed hopes of bright tomorrows when the heart of the loving Father turned
I was covering up the secret tears I cried. Then one day, someone told me of your mercy and the love you showed on a hill called Calvary. There you died and purchased my redemption. When you broke sin's power and set my spirit free, I'm amazed that you love me. I'm amazed how you came through your precious blood.
today. And Lord, I just pray that if there's any soul in here this morning that doesn't know you, that before they leave today, they'll feel and know the love that you have for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, there's something about that name. had its day and gone are the mornings when fear without warning would win and again have its day now when Satan reminds me of things I regret I bring up Calvary lest he forget High on a mountain a song
that beautiful wonder of grace that erased all my past. Oh, and I feel the heartbeat of mercy inside me. And now I have found joy at last. Oh, I live in freedom where chains cannot bind. And I won't look back on what I've left behind. Calvary. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me, if you would, to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I preached on this message right at six years ago, and I just want to make sure that it's always clear in our thinking. And uh, the title of my message is God Loves All Peoples. God Loves All Peoples. And I'd like for you to Pay attention when we show the verses because I think they uh, really illuminate what the truths are saying. Most of us know the true history of Adam and Eve. We know that they fell in the garden. They ate the forbidden fruit. And it wasn't, though, just about the knowledge of good and evil, but the tree represented who had the authority to decide what is good and what is evil. God or man? And man spoke up and said, I am. And that started their step, their journey, and the fall took place. And man became sinful at that time. God had to judge man. He had to judge Satan also. But in the midst of his judgment, he left man 
with a promise of a future restoration. And he states in Genesis 3.15, Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee, Satan, and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, the woman. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. How many of you know that uh, a head blow is more severe than a foot blow, right? Than a heel. It, and then it states in verse 21, Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them. What God did for them because of their sin, he shed innocent blood. And that was a preview, a prophecy, that eventually there would be a future restoration of mankind because Jesus Christ would die on Calvary's cross, shed his blood, die, be buried, and rise again. So man could have eternal life. Now Eve, she thought in chapter 4 and verse 1, she said this, and Adam knew Eve. The word knew there means he had physical relationships. Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord, she said. And then in verse 2 it says this. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of sheep, but Cain was the tiller of the ground. Adam knew Eve. She had Cain, the first one. But we find out later on, he's of the seed of the devil. Huh? And here's Eve putting all of her hope in her son, Cain. But then, Abel, he's the seed of faith. As a matter of fact, Christ calls him, and I think it's Matthew 23, 15, he called Abel a prophet. In other words, God communicated to Abel what he should speak because there are other people being born as these young men grow up. But uh, there they are. Some people believe that Cain and Abel were twins. Uh, the word doesn't say that Adam knew Eve a second time, but that she bare again. And so some people believe Abel actually was the second, but he was a twin. Also, when it was time for sacrifice, both of them came the very same day. Now, that could have been because they were older, but some people believe that shows once again that they were twin brothers. The story goes, Abel, he offered a blood sacrifice. That blood sacrifice was accepted by God. He met what God required. God re required the shedding of innocent blood for somebody else's sin. Cain then offered a sacrifice. He offered a sacrifice of his own hands, his own works, his own efforts, his own ground. But it was bloodless. It was not what God required. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, the Bible says, right? And so Cain was the first religion. He was the first Pharisee of heart. And what is a Pharisee of heart? Matthew 23, 27, 28, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! 
for ye are like unto whited sepulchers. They painted the outside, which appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Verse 33, ye serpents, boy, the Lord didn't miss any bones when he was talking to people, did he? You generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? And then he says in verse 35, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zacharias and so on whom you slew. And so there we see the Pharisees, they were religious. But who's behind religion? We know Satan. His angels, fallen angels, uh, they appear as angels of light, right? That's what 2 Corinthians tells us. But what about Cain's heart? First John 3, 12, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Notice, and wherefore slew he, him? Because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Why were his evil? Because he was trying to do it his way and he didn't do it God's way. So God accepted Abel's offering. Abel trusted in another's blood to cover his sin as a substitute. But God rejected Cain's offering. Cain trusted in the religion of human efforts. And doesn't the Bible say we're saved by grace, not of works? The Bible says this in Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Verse 22, though, says this, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. You see, it's not what we do, it's what he did, and we believe in what he did. Amen? And when we believe, his righteousness is given to us. Cain gave, was given, I should say, another choice, another chance, another opportunity, but he refused. And so God had to punish him. And God made it difficult for Cain, who was a tiller of the ground, to be able to have a good harvest. Now Cain tells God that he's fearful. He said, listen, I know I've killed Abel, and when I go out there and people are multiplying, there are people who will know that I murdered Abel and they will want to kill me. So God said in chapter 4, verse 15, and the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Now, it doesn't say, as many people say, that Cain turned colors. Hello? It doesn't say that he became dark skinned. The mark in the Hebrew is the word 
oath, and it means a sign, a token, but not a change of color or darker skin. That's why many people use these verses to say there's a curse upon darker skinned people. And as a result of that, it's okay if there's slavery. And because of that belief, that belief the African slave trade began. This created a great discrimination against dark-skinned people. So what is the answer about Cain and this curse? Well, number one, Cain's curse or punishment was that he would not be able to easily cultivate soil that he so loved. God took away his gift. You know what his gift was? He had a green thumb. <laughs> he he loved the ground to till it, and God took that away. Secondly, Cain's mark applied slowly, I mean solely, to him alone. You know, if God changed his color, that would mean there are two colors. But today, aren't there many colors? There are. There is no mention of Cain's descendants being under a curse. Number three, Cain's mark was not a curse in a sense. It was not connected with the curse, but this mark was a sign to be a protection for Cain. It must have been something visible to indicate he was not to be killed. So it was for his protection. It was the mercy of God, this mark. So that if anybody killed him, they would receive sevenfold vengeance from God. And then number four, Cain's descendants died in the upcoming flood. No more Cain's descendants. Only Noah's family survived the flood. There was only one at that time ethnic group of people, Noah's family. Number five, other people in the Bible were not identified as being under a curse that had associations with people of Cain, like Job, Hagar, Moses' wife, Zipporah, a future high priest named Nubian, a darker, Cassitic type of people. Even in the early church, they just mentioned Niger, and he was a black man, and he was one of the leaders of that early church then. Wasn't Simon or Simeon of Cyrene who helped carry the cross? Don't they say that he was dark-skinned? But sadly, people have continued to use the scripture of Cain's curse out of context to support their racism. Racism is the ultimate ungraceful thing one has. It's rejecting a person solely based on the color of their skin, that they are inferior. And so many have used the mark of Cain, but also they've used the curse of Ham as being dark-skinned people. 
Some claim Ham took advantage of a drunken Noah. Others say Ham took uh, advantage and he saw his father's nudity and he made jokes about him. Thus God cursed Ham's descendants and this belief has been devastating to darker-skinned people over the years. Even Christians use the darker-skinned curse myth to keep them from positions in the church and even justifying using blacks as slaves. Even today, the curse of Ham is inspiration and justification for the degrade. What the degrading mistreatments of darker-skinned people worldwide. Our history in this area is sad. In the past, it's been promoted that the inferiority of the darker-skinned people, and it actually was started by so-called white Christians calling it racial prophecy. They thought Back then, if it was in the encyclopedia, it must be true. And in the older encyclopedias, it was in there. So Ham's curse myth theory, he sexually abused his father Noah. He dishonored his father. He was cursed via his son and responsible for the darker-skinned descendants to continue in slavery. He was cursed with darker skin, they say. Here's my answer to that. Number one, Ham is one of three sons of Noah. Ham did enter the tent, but he did no wrong. Ham did not dishonor his father. Ham and his descendants, exception of Canaan, were not cursed and no one turned colors. Genesis 5.32 says this here, and Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Ham's name has the idea of darker, sun hot, or man with a darker skin tone. This name was given to Ham well before the events of Genesis 9. What happened in that tent, by the way? Genesis chapter 9, verse 20. And Noah began to be an husbandman, and he planted a vineyard, and he drank of the wine and was drunken, and he was uncovered within his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. There we see he saw the nakedness of his father. That phrase, what does it mean? Does it mean there was a homosexual act against Noah? That's what I was always taught, but with little biblical support. <laughs> but it's defined for us in the scriptures. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 11. And the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. 
That was after the law. Prior, it was a give and take thing in society. Chapter 18, verse 8. The nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. Deuteronomy 27, 20. Cursed be he that lieth with his father's wife, because he uncovereth his father's skirt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Noah was not violated by a homosexual act. Rather, Noah's wife was involved with a sexual act. We don't know if it was willing or if it was by force. Either way, God finds it to be horrific. Ham saw something, someone having sex with Noah's wife, his son Canaan. It's for this reason that only Canaan is cursed. Not Ham, Canaan. Chapter 9 again, verse 22. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. And Sham and Japheth took a garment and laid it both, uh, uh, laid it upon both their shoulders and went backward and covered the nakedness of their father and their faces were backward and they saw not their father's nakedness. After seeing this, Ham tells his two brothers, Sham and Japheth, they enter in the tent backwards, cover their mother because what she was doing was the nakedness of the father. Ham has done nothing wrong. And here's the proof, chapter 9, verse 24. And Noah awoke from his wine and knew what his younger son had done unto him. And he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Noah's response was not to curse Ham, but to curse the younger son Canaan. Nowhere do we read of Ham or his two brothers under this curse. Canaan historically always has been subservient to Ham, Sham, and Japheth families. Do you know something? The Canaanites today do not even exist, the true Canaanites. They don't even exist today. So how could that be going on today? So Ham's curse is not true. Ham did nothing wrong. Ham was blessed. Then you think of individuals, Abram, who became Abraham, tying him to Ham's seed. Joseph, he married a Ham descendant, Asena. Their two sons became two leaders of 12 tribes of Israel. Doesn't sound like he's cursed. Jacob had four sons with Bilhah and Zilpah, descendants of Ham. Four more leaders within 12 tribes. That's six leaders. Moses married a Ham descendant, Zipporah. You remember Miriam and Aaron was upset about it? Solomon married to consolidate the kingdom, Abishag. I don't know how you say that, but the last part of it's Hag. I wouldn't put that name down, but Abishag, a black 
Shunammite lady. You can read that in the book of Solomon. tells all about it. And then there's a guy by the name of Salmon. He married a Canaanite woman, a descendant of Ham, the woman Rahab. Many of the great men of the Bible married or they were related some way to Ham's descendants. From Abraham to Jacob to Moses to Solomon to David to Jesus. And they were blessed. If Ham were under a curse, as many say, then all these great people would also be under a curse. And that's impossible. Amen. Ham's sons. I'm about done. Ham's sons. I think. He had a son named Cush. They were darker skinned. They were the Ethiopians. His other son, Mizraim. He was of the Egyptians. Foot. P-H-U-T. Put. Foot. <laughs> He's of the Libyans. And Canaan. You know what he was? He was of the Asians. Darker-skinned people are not descendants of a curse whatsoever. The curse of Cain, the curse of Ham being up on black people is not true. Remember this, Acts 17, 26, and he hath made of one blood, all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and hath determined the, bound, the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. We are one blood. I don't care what color you are, you bleed red. Amen. We're one blood. Now there might be variations within that one blood. As I'm teaching Genesis, a dog has a number of variations, but it's still a dog. Amen? Galatians 3.28 says this here. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed. That's an important thing of faith and heirs according to the promise. Racism, that's viewing others as inferior. You view them as less intelligent and need to be kept lower than you are, never to your level. Now there is prejudice, and I think most people are prejudiced. I don't care who you are. You have, you're biased, you have opinions about people, but never to harm them. And the reason that is because if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you have the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, your relationship with Christ that keeps in check those sinful biases toward other people. Amen? Amen? So the question comes, when did the, very, the different variations of skin color come from? Where did they all come from? Well, I've heard several explanations. 
Well, one went north, and up north, the sun doesn't show as much as colder. They remain the light, blue-eyed people. The ones who went south, that they were the oven people. They were the sun was hot and heavy, and they became dark and darker and dark. I heard, uh, you know, some good people hold to those things, but after studying the Bible myself, I personally believe. It started at the Tower of Babel. I believe it was when God confused the different languages and he separated the world into continents, putting boundaries up on those people, and people became different. And that's where they came from. The reason I even spoke on this, I just want to reiterate that we at Grace Point, we have whites, we have blacks, we have Hispanics, we have Filipinos, Asians, we have Kentuckians. <laughs> That's another alien race. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> But we, as God's people, we love all people. I don't care what color they are. We love them. We love you. And don't allow the trap of what's going on in our society to take us away from a biblical view. And we see that happening in a lot of churches. That's why I even want to say this this morning, if you don't mind. I'm grateful that, uh, you know, I come from a family. We would say things. Uh, but when I got saved, my thinking changed. And God cleansed my heart. And God began to teach me what the truth was, that we love all people regardless of who they are. Might not like their sin, as they say, but we stand up for every, everybody. And God help us to be that way as a church, always. There's no room for racism in this church. And I just wanted to pass that along to you this morning and let you just let that sink in. Amen. <laughs> Kentuckians. <laughs> they are an ethnic group of their own. My dad came from Kentucky. My mom came from Evansville, right across the line. So I didn't have a chance. <laughs> Father, we love you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We're thankful for the truth of Cain and of Ham. And may we always smile, have a warm welcome for whoever walks through that door. And if they're trusted Christ, they're a brother and sister in Christ. And even if they're not, we're one blood of the human race. And may we welcome them with the hopes that they might hear the gospel, that Christ died for their sins, he was buried, he rose again, and that's enough to save them, and they will believe that, so that they can become brothers and sisters of us who have claimed the name of Christ. 
Be with our people today in Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.